deep, 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 deep gets the shit, and the shit just holds on to you. Hello, it's Baron, um, and this is Deep Shit. As you know, and if you don't know, now you know, Deep Shit. <laughs> um, I am um, luckily in Los Angeles this weekend, um, so I had a nice Thanksgiving. I hope all of you guys did too. Um, I didn't get to be with my family, which is the most unfortunate situation of the Thanksgiving. But, of course, I was in communication with them. It's it's very easy to be in communication with motherfuckers in this, uh, this day and age. It doesn't mean that you say much. We talk all the time. But we ain't saying shit. Am I right? If I wrote that down, there would be so many eyes in that word. Right. Anyway, um... Today's episode is with my good friend, Mr. Zach Sherwin, a.k.a. MC Mr. Napkins. Um, this is his second appearance on uh, Deep Shit, and uh, we get into the topic of self-sabotage. Actually, you know, um, we were trying to um, decide what to talk about, and he had said something about language and, and um, the usage of words and stuff like that. So I tried to steer it toward that and then realized that it was really all about self-sabotage. That's what it was all about. And... Um, we uh, got into it, you know, um, and a shout out to Psychology Today for lending me some uh, talking points for this conversation, which you will hear in just a bit. Um, have a good time. Let's get deep with Zach and me, Black. Yeah, but I guess the thing is that, like, I mean, there's that one thing. Someone was telling me this, Liz Mealy. We had an interesting conversation once, and she was talking about, like, the the things that you do to... That, that, that like the habits that you create that are survival mechanism when you're in a, a stressful situation that you need to get through then you start interacting with the world and yourself in a specific way so that way you can get through it right like what well just like um like a, if you were in an abusive relationship or if you you know have messed up parents or if you are feeling stuck then you create certain things you know in your mind and how you handle the world so that way you can get through the crisis situation it's it's uh, things that you do to get through a crisis but the problem arises when the crisis is over and you still have the habits hmm. then you start interacting with everything like it's still a crisis and you can't get past not being in crisis like you're a machine built for a crisis like mode. you're a machine built for crisis and i feel like a lot of people have that thing where it's like they've they've created certain because that's interesting i was just looking at um the last issue of psychology today <laughs> And uh, or uh, the second to last issue, and um, the cover story was like self sabotage, and it was like four different parts. Oh yeah, and one one was titled um, um, "Helping Yourself by Hurting Yourself" or something like that, where it's like you you have long like short term things that you have to deal with, so you create these habits to to make these short things short term things like not hurt, but in the long run you're hurting yourself. What is it? Can we? What does it say? Well, let's look at it. <laughs> I just saved it to my reading list. Self sabotage, the enemy within. Here we go. That's kind of a maniacal laugh. We should you should clip that out and sell it as. Ah, sound here effect. you go. Dodging emotions, the help that harms. That's the title. And then what is what's the meat? 
Everyone does it sometimes. Some do it regularly, shoot themselves in the foot, or put obstacles in their own chosen path. Behavior is self-sabotaging when, in attempting to solve or cope with the problem, it instigates new problems, interferes with long-term girls and, uh, goals, and long-term unsettles girls. relationships. And unsettles right relationships. Comfort eating is a common form of self-sabotage, especially when a person has weight concerns. Pause. Do you comfort eat? Do you identify with that? You know what? I, I honestly um, – I'm addicted to soda. I'm addicted to Coke. Really? It's cherry. It's cherry Coke, and it's like, How, what's your I, habit? The last two years, I've been trying to stop it, drinking soda. Wow! And it is literally the hardest thing I've ever done. Well, isn't sugar? I mean, sugar's supposed to be a pretty serious physical addiction. It is. See, and that's my the joke I'm working on is that sugar is the greatest drug ever. Because first of all, it figured out a way to be legal. That's right. one thing. Right. Every drug wishes it was sugar. Heroin had a poster of sugar <laughs> like on its bedroom. <laughs> when it was going to sleep at night, it would look at sugar like someday, someday I'm going to be sugar. <laughs> but and like, but it's so hard because I honestly think about and I hear like the two things is I heard somebody talking about what, like a, an overeating behavior, like a food addiction behavior. It's if you if if you feel bad, then you want to have it to feel better, right? Like I'm like, oh, that sucked. I I just want a coke. Right, right. You want to reward yourself when you feel good, and when I feel good, I'm like that was great. I deserve a Coke, and like I'm, I'm like, really about Coke? I know about got you. fucking Coca Cola, and I used to hate Coke when I was a kid. I was all about Pepsi, and then I got <laughs> and then so I, not sweet soda, yeah. just the brand Coke. And why, then I grew up. Why did your allegiance? It first switches. go to Pepsi and then switch. Well, you know what? I read this in something. I think it was Blink. Actually, Pepsi always wins in a taste test to Coke because Pepsi is a sweeter cola. Right. But a taste test is a sip. But the full experience of drinking a can is completely different. With Pepsi, people are like, oh, it's too much. But right. with Coke, it's just enough to get you through a can mm. of it. I don't remember reading that, but that makes a lot of sense. I remember. But quick total digression. Do you know about nostril dominance? I am. Uh, not only is that my new hip hop name, <laughs> slash my punk man, my punk. My punk hip hop. What's it called? What is it that the Limbiscuit does? The Limbiscuit? What's the Limbiscuit do? Uh, What's it called? It's like, it's rapping, but rap it's rock. punk. All right, anyway. Nostril dominance. Your, your nostrils cycle throughout the day? <laughs> you mean the psychic? <laughs> the one? <laughs> nostril, nostril dominance? Nostril, nostril dominance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, The prognosticator? The clairvoyant? Um... Nostril dominance. <laughs> it's fun to pretend that your speech is altered to the extent that you would pronounce nostril dominance that way. Yeah, that would yeah. have to be okay. Nostril dominance. Um, <laughs> throughout the day, your nostrils cycle. Like you can check it right now. If you press one side of your nose and check one of your nostrils, you'll be breathing through. And then if you check again in forty-five minutes or an hour and a half, you'll be breathing through the different one. And they just oh. do it throughout the day. Oh, I do that all the time. I'm always like, oh, can't breathe out of that nose. Can't breathe. Out of that. I have a slightly deviated septum. And you know why I have Maybe a slightly... Maybe you just have nostril dominance like everybody else. But you know what? I do have a slightly deviated septum. I was told this by a doctor. Do you know why I have it? No. Because I sleep on my side. What? I sleep on my side and Same I press, side? press my face into the pillow. And my, the pillow presses my nose one direction. 30 years, it means that my septum is now deviated. That's adorable. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, speaking of nostril dominance, <laughs> the clairvoyant... Man, that, that is that is literally I've never entertained myself more. Those are great things. Going from nostril dominance to nostril domus. Oh, Mike Kaplan right now is somewhere and he just feels light in his heart. He doesn't know why. He's like, I feel like great wordplay happened <laughs> somewhere. 
Um, and speaking of Kaplan, who's a great friend of ours, something that we um, three of us share in is a love of words. Mm. You guys, you guys take it to a different extent than I do. You mean on stage or off? I don't off think that's stage. true. Off stage, I don't think that's true. Off stage, I mean, like I'm, I'm into words to an. You guys are like you, you. I mean, you guys are you are in the word games. I mean, he's got a degree in linguistics. But Mike and I, I mean, we especially do. Mike and I know that about each other. So when we're around each other, I think we're more like that than usual. Or okay. at least I am more like that than usual. Maybe, I sort of let it go a little bit. Maybe that's true. <laughs> I see. I mean, I think you get. I I think you get in there on the I, mixing I, it up. I get in there, but it's like sometimes I feel I I'm hurt. Like my brain hurts. I'm just like because <laughs> then I feel like uh, I feel like a responsibility to get in on the action. And to be like, I think you're proving to myself I'm smart. No, I think you're swinging. I think you're swinging as hard as anybody in there, Baron. Yeah, well. But um, oh, so okay, so wait, what else does it say in psychology today? Comfort eating. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I feel lucky. I don't have a comfort eating problem. No, I mean, it, it, those are some extreme examples, you know. And psychology today is hit or miss. Okay. You know, like it's like it's pop psychology, and a lot of the times it's wrong. But uh-huh. sometimes they bring up really interesting ideas. The cover stories are almost always interested in seeing what. Oh, okay, this is interesting because yeah. they got you know they got into trouble about that. Uh, uh, black women are less um, attractive. No, some to who? In general, just in general. To everybody in the yeah. world? Yeah. Some guy wrote an article about how black women are less attractive than most women. And, it, and he had like all these – it was like some – I feel like it was like a Japanese psychologist who he, – his, his, he's very provocative. And they're like, uh-oh, he's going to write something provocative. And he wrote that. It's the first time that they've ever taken anything down from the website and apologized for an article. That sounds like a story from psychology, not today. <laughs> yeah, it's a different psychology of a different time. That's why it's also surprising to me that the guy was, like, Asian. Yeah. Who wrote the article. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll read you a little bit more of this. What all self-defeating behaviors have in common is that they are false friends. They seem helpful at the time, but are actually harmful to us, especially when repeated. It's paradoxical that people try to help themselves with hurtful behaviors. My colleagues and I believe that people experience emotional cascades. In response to an upsetting event, they become so focused on it that they work themselves into an intense, painful state of negative emotion. They then deploy self-sabotaging behaviors to short-circuit the emotional cascade in the hope that physical sensations from the destructive behaviors to taste of food, pain of self-injury, or the high from a drug will distract them from the upsetting thoughts. Stopping the emotional cascade and reducing emotional pain feel good in the moment, but the negative consequences of the behavior persist. Okay, this is what I want to know. I don't, I don't, I mean, I identify to some degree with, you know, I come home late at night and I'm like bored or something, I'll eat. But I don't eat to make myself feel better when I'm sad. Again. And I don't, wait, wait, hold on. Okay. I'm getting to something here. And I don't, I don't have a drug abuse problem. And I don't cut myself or anything like that. Okay. I cut myself. Isn't that the um, Johnny Cash song? I hurt myself today. Don't know it. But for some, you don't know that song? Katie says yes. Oh, but for some reason, when I think of it, I think of like I touch myself. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was gonna say. And Johnny Cash's. I hurt myself when I, I don't want, want anybody me. else. When I think about you, I hurt myself today. You need to take your voice lower for that Johnny Cash That's, voice. Uh, no, can, That's as low as it goes? I, I, it can go lower, but I didn't like it. All Continue right. what you were saying. I, was, I knew I was cutting you off. That's why I was trying to hurry through it so you don't lose your train of thought. But you were still going to do that. I was still going to do it. Like, I'm committing to this. <laughs> You're like, I'll sing the whole thing, but I won't go into a low voice. I that would be rude to interrupting just, my guest. I got a half acid if I'm going to do it. Um, so I can spot all those obvious ones, but what I'm worried about mm-hmm. is 
when I hear about self sabotage, I think, oh shit, maybe I'm doing that in ways so subtle that I don't, that I can't spot them. Because I mean, if I had a drug abuse problem, then that would be easy to say, oh, that's clearly stopping me from getting some of my goals. But I feel like I self sabotage with like time wasting and procrastination and negative attitude. That's and- another one of the. Uh- articles is in procrastination and like not knowing what to focus on and insufficient uh yeah and i do i do i do very similar and that's scary because you can't those are like the unseen ones those aren't the red flag ones those are just sort of very bound up in my personality and you want me to read you a little bit of what the the uh procrastination article says yes (laughs) because i I was reading that one i was reading that one myself because um i was like here are the four of the self-sabotaging chapters or the, the things. Self-sabotage, the empathy with enemy within. Number one, dodging emotions to help that harms. Number two, procrastination. Oops, where did the day go? Number three, extreme modesty, the case of the disappearing self. Ooh. And number four, addiction, the long slide. Mm. So let's go to procrastination. Where did the day go? <laughs> By the way, sabotage. Mm. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The Beastie Boys wrote a song about it. But self-sabotage sabotage is bad. Yeah. Listen, all of y'all, it's self-sabotage. <laughs> if the Beastie Boys were self-sabotaging, they wouldn't be able to get to I know, they do that album. never had the great idea to do sabotage. That's a great song. Okay, here's, here's the... Um, here you go. When it comes to self-sabotage, procrastination is king. Why? Good topic sentence. Because procrastination is the gap between intention and action. And, is, and it is in this gap that the self operates. The undermining behavior lies in not closing the gap. We make an intention to act. The time comes, but instead of acting, we get lost in our own deliberation, making excuses to justify an unnecessary and potentially harmful delay. Who makes this decision? We do. The self, in fact, sabotages its own intention. You would like to think life would be easier, that the reasons and desires that motivate our intentions would also be sufficient to motivate action, but they're not. If they were, we would be machines, and there would be no such thing as volition. The self must choose to act. As conscious beings, <laughs> as conscious beings, we cannot escape the self-choosing what to do. I'll read this last paragraph, and then we'll discuss. Okay. Can we just say that it was funny that when you were reading about people being robots, there was like a glitch in the matrix? Was there? We would be machines. (laughs) We think of procrastination as an irrational delay because our reasons for action simply aren't sufficient to motivate action. More accurately, procrastination is irrational without reason because the real issue is emotional. Although we may know intellectually what we ought to do right now, we don't feel like doing it, so we focus on short-term mood repair. Feel good now, worry about that intention later. Short-term gain, long-term pain. One less. With procrastination, we delay taking action longer than we know we should. In the case of chronic procrastination, we waste time that we can't afford to waste. We actually can wind up wasting our whole lives. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) No, what an indictment. Ease up. Right there. It gets intense. Is there a redemption paragraph at the end of that section where they say, but most people are okay? No. Do you need that? That's what I like about articles about the environment. They always have to end, but as long as we act soon, things will still be okay. There's a book I read that's on my bookshelf that I love, and this is a guy I want to interview. His name is Thomas Dezengotita, and he's an anthropology sociology professor at NYU. He wrote a book called Mediated, and I read it maybe it was before... It was probably 2003 is when I read it, 2003 or 2004, because there was a whole section about Bush and Kerry and identity politics. And what Mediated is about is 
not the media per se as much as we are mediated beings, that everything around us is designed to affect us. And so it makes us kind of unwitting narcissists and that we're so used to representations of reality as opposed to actual reality that we can't tell the difference between the two, right? Okay. Representation, representation and reality bleeds together, right? So in one of these um, chapters, he was talking, oh, God. I lost my own train of thought. See, this is this is the danger. This is the danger that always happens. I was trying oh, to. It was I can something. Bring you back. We're was, talking about how there's always a happy ending to environment stories. His last chapter is about last chapters. Ooh. His last chapter, he's, he calls it the bogosity Fun. of endings, and it's about like how we have this expectation now that everything has to be wrapped up in a little bow, and we have to give we have to have an inspirational like, but. We're on the path to blah. But walruses so, will be Here's okay. all the people that are dying from cancer. But we're close to this. It's like, no, it's shitty. Yeah. It's a shitty condition, disease, and people are dying, and we should have, um, wish we had a cure, you know, and we're working on it. But it's like, you know, we don't have to be like, because in a sort of a way, what he makes, what he says in the article, and something I believe, is sometimes when you get that bow, it then absolves you of responsibility for like, like oh my God, I got to do something. Oh, wait a minute. The last paragraph just let me know I don't have to. Yeah, exactly. There's a crack oh, team, scientists of, crack team of scientists that are doing something. Let's resolve that we're not going to wrap this up with a tidy little package at the end of it. We're just going to stop, even if it hasn't resolved. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I always like to um, figure out a, a non-resolution. And so that's why I'm bad at endings. In jokes? In, in, in jokes and in writing, just like scripts. I, I always feel like... It's very rare that I have ever seen anything where I don't feel the ending is contrived. It's like I'd say 95% of everything I ever see feels like a contrivance. Like it's like it has to end now so then certain things just work out. It's rare that I see something where I don't see it coming or I still respect what happened. Like the way breaking the last season of Breaking Bad, the way Breaking Bad has ended I'm always like, yes, that's how you end a show. Right. You know, and it's like some people were like up in the ass about it. Do you watch the show? No. Well, I won't fucking. Do you watch the show, Katie? Did you see the last season? Okay. Yeah, of course you did. So it's like, that's why it's amazing TV because it's like, it it, it really. And someone has made this this uh, argument to me that TV right now might be the best it's ever been in the history of television, which I agree with. I. Sketch comedy is where this always. I was in a sketch group for a few years Mm -hmm. and. Writing endings to sketches as exemplified on TV shows that have sketch comedy on them. It's very hard to write an end to a sketch. And I was reading an interview. There's a book called How to Rap that just features interviews with rappers about the craft of writing Mm -hmm. and performing. And there's a quote from somebody. I wish I could remember who it was. But he's like, the hardest part of a rap of a 16 bar rap verse is the first bar, the eighth bar and the 16th bar. And then, because you have to think of the beginning, the middle, and the end, and then the uh, fourth and fifth bar are really difficult, and the, uh, (laughs) because it's halfway through and you want to have, like, a strong middle to your verse. And then he basically said that the hardest part of writing a rap verse is uh, the entire write, is writing a rap (laughs) verse. The entire rap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's like, the first bar, the eighth bar, and the sixteenth bar. Four, five, and six are pretty bad. Right. Um, two and three too. are really hard. And then the middle Nine that's and created ten, no. between the first hard part and the second part. Yeah. Um, that's a great answer. But, uh, yeah. Well, the good news is if you're doing comedy rap, you can often go out on a pun and people feel satisfied. It's a trick that I have in my bag. Well, okay. 
I got you, I got you on that. I feel like what you you, you do tell us your storyteller, mm-hmm. and that's what's refreshing mm-hmm. about what you do, in my opinion. Is that I mean I've seen a lot of comedy music, and some of it I love, and some of it I hate. But that's just true of most comedy, sure. <laughs> anyway, but it seems like when you when it's music that the tricks are more apparent because it's in the structure of like it's like most comedy music is a joke and that's it. Like it's like they set it up, they hit the punchline, and then the whole rest of the song is just tags to the one punchline. And then the humor becomes I'm doing an earnest art form about a non-earnest topic. Exactly. I'm singing earnestly about camel toes. Yes, exactly. It can be that. But you are introspective, and you grow in the rap in a sort of a way. Hmm. Like it's like you you let us in, and like it you don't you don't pick a joke. You pick a theme, and you ruminate on the theme. And you reveal yourself in that. Oh, thanks, Baron. <laughs> I like that. That makes me feel good. Oh, God. Giving compliments so hard. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, before we get to our, our conversation, which I think has gone into self-sabotage. I think we're talking about self-sabotage. We're talking about self-sabotage and failure success. We, I was trying to take it to language. And we're using language the whole time. We're using language the whole time. But uh, I was trying to take it that way. But, you know, the things have to happen the way that they have to happen. Sure, I agree. Okay. I'm, I'm, more, I'm interested to be talking about this. Okay, good. But before we move on, um, after our last podcast in which we talked about manhood, mm-hmm. and we revealed that both of us have some daddy issues. Sure. You, um, <laughs> to distill that one to down. To distill that one. Um, you, you have written a rap that uh, you performed last night, uh, actually, um, at a show called Magic Bag, which, if you're in Los Angeles, is a great show. It's DC Pierce and Eliza Skinner's show. Mag Bag. Mag Bag. And um, you were on and did this did this rap, and I was like, oh, dude, I would love it if you came on the podcast and did that. Um, so, um, ladies and gentlemen, for you, here's Zach Sherwin, MC Mr. Napkins. I was a two-year-old toddler, still sucking on a bottle. When my parents split up, it was the pits. Avocado popped, hopped in his car and drove off. Full throttle, only child, single mom, not many male role models. Few father figures once my pop duke split. So I had to swap him out and adopt a new pig. And my surrogate pops was hip-hop music. That's why I don't call it rap, I call it pop music. Yo, it filled in all the gaps, pop music. Like a how-to-be-a-chap roadmap, pop music. And here's a relevant palindrome, y'all. Check it out. Ha, rap. So my first rap tape was by Naughty By Nature. It was a self-titled album called Naughty By Nature. And there's a song on there that's called Ghetto Bastard about the absent father of Tretch, the lead rapper. He says, I was one who never had and always mad, never knew my dad, motherfuck the fag. And using the word fag is not my bag, no, but dag, yo, the sentiment was powerful and aggro. Tretch also felt lost and alone, but unlike me, he was filled with testosterone like Sylvester Stallone. And from then on, class was in session. I was basking in masculine rap lessons from men like Method, Man and Red, Man and Beanie, Man and Bird, Man, R.A. the Rugged, Man, La the Dark, 
man and the sons of man and Paul Bar man and father figures like Big Papa and Trick Daddy and Snoop the dog father and Kane the big daddy and even crisscross Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy and Father MC and Puff Daddy. I learned about camaraderie from the Wu-Tang Killer Bees. Eminem taught me craftsmanship and productivity. LL showed me how to be smooth with the ladies. And I learned Jews could be cool MCs from the Beasties. And I learned anger, violence, and misogyny. Because what you learn from your dad doesn't only impact you positively. But most importantly, I learned I wanted to be an MC. The rap apple didn't fall far from the tree. The rapple. It opened up my eyes, pop music, yo, learning lessons from the guys, pop music, rap. I'd buy you a number one dad t-shirt, but music genres don't have a size. Okay, here's a little epilogue. I was a college kid in Boston, and my friend at Tufts called me when class started that autumn, and she said there was a concert at her school for Welcome Back, and Naughty by Nature was the headlining act. So I go to the show and two-thirds of the way through, Tretch says, Here's the deal, y'all. Every concert we do, we like to showcase local talent. So come on, Tufts. You know who your best MCs are. Send them on up. The next thing I know, I'm on stage in a lineup. I waited in a panic, cued my best rhyme in my mind up, till KG, the DJ, looked at me and pointed and dropped the instrumental, and I fucking destroyed it. Tretch said, you blew up the place, and put his arm around me in what can only be described as a fatherly embrace, and I felt the joy that can't be expressed as he pressed my old navy t-shirt into his bulletproof vest. Yeah. There she blows. It's poetry. <laughs> it is poetry. That's, it sounds like the cheesiest possible thing I could say, but I, I love that we. I, I really like that. Thanks, man. Because it, it, it. I feel like in a lot of your music, you, you, there's a feeling of your your history with hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's always there's, you feel the influences, and you, you, you. So it's like, and, and in that, that's a, it's, it's a, it's quite poignant. I mean, I like to talk about. The music that I listen to, I, mm-hmm. I wish I, I maybe that's maybe that's an incitement to stay more current with hip hop because all my references are from mid '90s through early 2000s hip hop, and that's kind of when I really internalized it. Yeah, but that makes sense. I mean, that's true for anybody. Sure, it's I listen you know? to the music I listened to when I came up, but I do get a lot of my humor from rap songs that I think are funny in various ways. So I'm sure they're still funny. Mm. They are. Listening I feel like you, you know a lot of you know some modern stuff. Yeah. I don't think there's anything I've ever talked to you about that you're like, I don't know who the hell that is. But now I have this song about Big Punisher, and I do it at oh, colleges. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I, there's a part where I say, uh, all right, guys, so there's a song by Big Pun called Still Not a Player, and the chorus was like, I don't want to be a player no more. And then what happened from there? And uh, there have been like two shows where absolutely nobody, nobody knows. knows. Yeah, and many a- shows where like one or two kids know. Mm-hmm. They have to be like true, because to them, that's like... That's like Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to what Grandmaster Flash was to us, that's then to like. I to know. Them. It's weird. And I did a weekend in Indiana um, over Halloween weekend, and I had a show where nobody knew. Ooh. Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. But you would think it's a audience. big audience. college town. But again, that's, that's college from when we were in college. They I would know. know that song. But know, college kids but now. There's grad students. They were literally born when the song came out. I know. 98. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, like, like ninety, but like, you know, they were eight in ninety-eight. Yeah, I know. We were. I was eighteen. I don't know how old you were. Yeah, eighteen. I was eighteen. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, 
But, I mean, well, whatever. I was going to say, what I like about that song is you don't need to know the song to get on board with it. But it helps when people, it helps when someone knows it. Because otherwise it might just be some song. And you might not recognize every single rapper that you mention, but you do recognize a lot of people. And everybody knows who Naughty by Nature is. Well, again, everybody our age knows who Naughty by Nature is. They don't know, they don't know the different members. Everybody remembers, they're like, oh, Naughty by Nature. They're like, they think that Tretch is Naughty by Nature. Right. Like, oh, yeah, that guy, Jamiroquai. No, the band's Jamiroquai. Yes. Wait, were you there when we were having this conversation last night with Eliza? No. Eliza Skinner is a huge, another deep shit guest, is yeah. a hu- had a huge Jamiroquai phase, and we are talking about it. And someone referred to, someone was like, yeah, I like, they said they were talking about JK, the right. guy who is Jamiroquai, but they referred to him as Jamiroquai. I'm right. sure that's a, the story of his life. It probably is the story of his life. Yeah. I know that uh, I remember looking up. I had a Jamiroquai phase myself. Yeah, I had, I had a like, virtual insanity phase, certainly. When that album came out, I was like, who are these guys? And I went and got the other albums. I got, like, uh, what was it, Emergency and Planet Earth and um, Return of the Space Cowboy. Mm. And Return of the Space Cowboy is probably my favorite yeah. of the first three or four. I can't remember how many albums there were at that time. But I haven't listened to Since then, I haven't really listened to it. But yeah. I liked his voice and I liked their music. I just liked that it. it was a band that played... <laughs> like played instruments yeah yeah in high school this girl and her who was like in our synagogue used to pick me up and give me a ride to school with her boyfriend this, oh and i was gonna say this sounds awesome and then you said the boyfriend i know like, oh. well i was in i was really in love with her but um they probably what you've seen every day that's what that's how they that's how they <laughs> that's how they catch buffalo bill in silence of the lambs <laughs> anyway buffalo bill continue the story i know i'm buffalo bill <laughs> in that story and the guy from jamiroquai and jamiroquai kind of wore a uh, buffalo-ish hat he did yeah that's right that weird hat um, and they would play. We would play Jamiroquai every day uh, on the ride to school. So the, to me, that music's kind of linked with being in love with Shayna. <laughs> Shayna. Shayna. That's she name. was in my synagogue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's a Shayna Madel. Let's talk about. Yep, that's right. So let's talk about. So I maybe this is the self sabotage thing. Is okay. I'm worried. I'm doing it, and I don't even know. Yeah, but that that's that's the hard thing. Is that self sabotaging to be too worried about whether or not you're self sabotaging? I think it is. Because your brain stop. You're imagining Relax, you're brain. like what am I doing that I, what am I doing wrong that I am is unaware wrong? is wrong in sort of a way. Like, okay, I if I don't write, it makes me anxious. I think we talked about that last time. Yeah. I feel like I need to do that every day. It makes me not. anxious too, and I usually don't write. Yeah, I feel like I'm not doing work. Yeah, like what? What's? Why did I move to Los Angeles? Why am I not? You know, just enjoying. You know what I mean? It's like I need to be doing that work. But then I I will write, and at the end of writing, sometimes I think, man, yes, I was writing, and I was kind of disciplined about it. But that song's never going to be a big great thing for YouTube. I know I'm not going to be able to perform that at big shows. Uh... So even that, like when I do the thing that I know I'm supposed to be doing, my my brain becomes an enemy. And says you did the thing, but you didn't do it the right way. God. Well, I mean that's the that's the constant the consummate. Is that the word I'm looking for? No, the constant. <laughs> yeah. Struggle. Yeah. Of what art versus entertainment? Right. You know what? What? Do you, how much of it are you doing for you, and how much are you doing it for others? Right. Right. So it's like you you've written and you then but then you put the um, mm, but are other people going to get this right. on top of it? Right. Right. And usually, I feel like with a lot of just regular stand-up, at least, it's always like, other people are going to get this, but does it mean anything to me? Right. So, but you're in that, you know, stuck in between, which is fine. I think it's a good place to be in because it shows that you care and that you have self-awareness, right? Mm. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I feel better about that. 
Yeah, that was the bow. That was, that was a little bow. Relief. We can stop talking about it now. No um, responsibility. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that's the thing. And so let's talk about let's talk about self sabotage in the field of love. Uh oh. Yeah. Now you're now you're taking it. You're taking it to this. Other let's place. take it there. I don't let's, know if we. I don't know if we finish with the uh, career self sabotage. Well, I mean. Let's let's we'll link our way back there. We'll link it. I feel confident that we'll, we'll get back to that. Examples heed themselves or whatever. Yeah, examples heed themselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> the popular cliche. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's ways that I think. I mean, I was talking about this because the way it came up, the idea for self sabotage came from a conversation I had with the afore- the aforementioned Eliza Skinner, where mm-hmm. I was talking about the dynamic in relationships where. You know, you like the where there's an imbalance in the relationship, and whoever is liked more, mm-hmm. you know, pulls back, and the they have the power, they have the pa- they wear the pants, they have the upper hand. That tends to be the case. So we were talking I don't think about it's that a rule, dynamic. but it is at the same time because it's I, like it doesn't have to be that way, but people play into it. Have you been in relationships that aren't like that? Uh, but yeah, you have where it's totally equitable. Yeah. Whoa. I don't know that I have yet. It it has to do with how you handle yourself. Because the thing is that like if you like a person more than they like you, mm-hmm. then it's has more to do with you than it has to do with them. So what do you mean how you handle yourself? Because it has to do with your relationship with yourself, is what I mean to say. So how do you act? How do you behave differently? You is don't. that what it's about? That's the point. You have to still live your own life. This person isn't the point. Of your day or the point of your life. Okay. You still have to do what it is that you do. They're a bonus. So what does that mean? You don't text them when you want to? Sometimes. Right. I usually text people whenever I want to. And I've actually – there was a girl once who broke up with me because she said I texted her too much. But that's because I'm well, a texter. She seems like she wasn't a good match. Yeah. That's how I start to think about it because I'm, you know, I, I can get upset and be like, oh, I shouldn't. But I'm like, no, that's just what I do. So right. it's like I can be conscious of it. And some people will be like, freak out about it, and I can be like, try not to freak them out. You know, she wasn't comfortable with me yet, is what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. It's like I, you texted me too much has to do with maybe she just didn't want, wasn't that interested in it in the first place. Yeah, and that was her out. Yeah, you know, so good power to you. I have to not take it as a as a comment on myself, and then forever be like, I text too much. Right. You know, and then now it, now it's something I'm going to be self conscious about for the rest of my days. Right. Because some people are like, you don't text me enough. So there's been a, right. There's been enough, you know, um, balance where I'm just like, well, that's not a hard and fast rule. The thing is, and I have been in um, relationships where I've liked the girl more than they liked me, but I have noticed each time because it's it's because at the time I'm in a very insecure place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Every time I've noticed for myself, every time I start to think, man, I want to be in a relationship, I know it's time not to be in a relationship. Oh, that's because I'm thinking about the concept of a relationship. Right. As opposed to meeting a person that has inspired me to want to be with them. I'm thinking of, oh, I, w- I need this silhouette. Insert face here. Right. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, you're cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I've learned for myself that's my pattern and that I have to back off from when I feel like – because that's why they say like when you're not looking, you find people because you're the most yourself. You're the most confident and most self-sufficient. You're not thinking about needing someone to make you feel hmm, whole. Sure. You already feel whole, and guess what? That's fucking attractive. I mean, that's applicable everywhere, right? Like, sure. Career-wise. Sure, but with, but with the, the I like her more than she likes me, it's because I need something. I'm missing something else that has nothing to do with the romance. That I'm having an issue with myself that I'm trying to plug her into. <laughs> or plug myself hey, into. Whoa, you know what I'm saying? Waka, 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 waka. Parental elbows, advisory, elbows. Parental advisory. <laughs> uh, here's some ways that I've sabotaged relationships that mm-hmm. I've been in. Okay. 
I was in. A, I lived with a woman. Oh, that's awful. We were. I know, right? Oh, so that's, that's not the one. example. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I do think, in a way, we, you know, it made sense logistically at the time, but I think we did. Like my lease was up, it made sense for me to move in with her. Mm-hmm. Like you know, for all these practical reasons, but I do think, and I, and I don't regret it, but I do think we did maybe move in too early with each other. And so around the same time, I met my first friend who was out about being in an open relationship, mm-hmm. and I also started listening to a lot of. No, that was a little bit later. Savage was a little bit later. But my friend Ian was like blowing my mind with his theories and um, behaviors. And my girl, the woman I was living with at the time, and I went on a bike ride. She, we lived in a small town, and all her fr- she was a few years older, and all her friends were a couple years older than her. Mm-hmm. So they were all married and starting to have kids. And I was did she have the bug like twenty six or something? No, but I think it's inevitable when you're in a peer group who's just totally yeah, everyone's doing paired something. up and getting married. Yeah. So we go on this bike ride, and it was like an eighteen mile bike ride, and maybe twelve miles into it or something, we're talking. And I said, look, I got to tell you something. It kind of makes me uncomfortable when we're hanging out with a bunch of our friends and people start asking us when we're going to get married. I just need to say that I'm not at all close to ready to do that. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're not. And I I don't feel that way either. And I don't like when they do that either. So, yeah, we'll be more conscious of it. And I was like, "Okay, cool. And so then she goes, it seems like something else is wrong. And I was like, I've been talking to Ian and I think I might want to have an open relationship. Mm. And she slammed on the bike brakes. And made me ride ahead of her for the rest of the ride home, and she was crying, and she stayed in bed for like three days, and then at the end of it, she was like, I think that was the beginning of the end. And then six months later or so, we never talked about it again until we broke up. Hmm. So that was one. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. I have have a lot of... I've already already identified many places. Many, many places where you chose the wrong adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Where you went for option E when clearly it was A or B. And you turn the page, you're like, you're dead. Ah, damn books. But you know, that's the short view. The long view is our paths take us where they take us. They take us where they take us, yes. So then I, so that's one. And then two is I had a really nice girl that I liked a lot in Boston, but. Can I say something real quick though? Yeah, yeah. For what you said? Yeah, of course. For the past relationship? This is, I mean, of course, it's, I'm outside of it, so it's always easy sure. to be like, this is what you should have done, bro. Right. Although it's not what I think you should have done. But you had these ideas, and it took you a while before you said anything to her mm-hmm. about it, right? So it's like you, you kind of had them in your head, and you had been thinking about them, but it took you a while before you actually voiced them. Mm. So when you voiced them, it, was very, it felt very sudden and very out of nowhere. So... You could have used more tact or brought it up much earlier mm-hmm. when you started thinking about it. But then I have to take credit away from her from waiting so long to ask you about it. Because mm-hmm. like, I, always, I always say, like, oh, yeah, when you feel something, you should probably say something to whoever you're with. Mm-hmm. But then also I feel like the person who you're with should be sensitive enough to see that something's on your mind. And that they're going like, I'm not going to say anything. You know, when you have that, there's always that unsaid, we're not on the same page. I've done that in relationships myself where it's like things have changed, but both of us are so afraid to say anything that we wait until way too long to say something and then it just all pours out. It's all this shit we've been thinking about that we haven't voiced to anybody, maybe to a friend here and there, but we've never said anything to the person we have the problem with. Yeah. And then suddenly it explodes and it's like, whoa, that's not how I meant for this to happen. Right. 
it becomes a huge thing where it maybe wasn't. Yeah, because it's not even just necessarily the information anymore. It's the presentation of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, why did you wait for so long to tell me this? Why didn't you say this when this and this and this and this and this happened? Which generally it seems like women are always seem to be very upset about when you chose to reveal information. Why didn't you say it then? Why didn't you say it this? Why didn't you say it like, here's the timeline of all the opportunities you had. I'm like, mm, maybe that's something I should heed for, for yeah. you know, examples heed themselves. Examples do heed themselves. They heed themselves. <laughs> anyway, your second, your second uh, sabotage. I, I will have three, and these, these next two will mm, be quick. Three-act play. Um, the second one was, so then after her, I just went crazy and tomcatted around. Like, I moved out and, you know, slept with a bunch of people, and that was a really fun time. But there was no substantive relationship stuff going on in but terms that was of— But it was kind of a medication. Oh, it was Medicaid. so great. My God, <laughs> I will always look back at that time in my life with great fondness. Okay, but it was fun. But it was was what what it was. Yeah, it was definitely you a bounce looking back. for something that was okay. All right. right, you were in a long rebound. Yes. So then I met a girl maybe six months later who I really liked, and we hung out all the time. But I was still burned from the last thing. Couldn't throw down on it, and I wasn't dating anybody else or hooking up with anybody else. But she asked me if I was, and I said, "Nope." And then she said, "Okay," and I said, "And I don't want to talk about it anymore." And then three weeks later, I was like, okay, you kind of opened a window. And I was like, you want to know if this is like, are you we... cut that off that quickly I in the really same did. sentence? No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, she said she was, she was younger and more shy and less communicative. And so she mustered up the gumption to ask a question that must have been scary for her. And you shut her down. And said, so we, we were in bed and she said, I'm sorry to do this, but are you doing this with anybody else? And I went, nope. And then we kind of like laid there tensely, which was true. I hadn't slept with anybody else. Right. And we laid there tensely for a minute. And I was like, Is, are we cool? And she was like, yeah. And then I just like went on and d- d- wanted to put it away. There's more that you should have talked about. <laughs> like, for continue, sure. So continue. then three weeks later, I came back and I said, you opened a, a door that I didn't go through and I should have. And I said, I'm not sleeping with anyone else and I really like you, but I'm still kind of fresh off this old thing. And I can see myself wanting to sleep with other people down the line. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I can't handle it. And then we cried and said bye. And then that's very mature, though. Yeah, we did. A, we did an okay job with it. Yeah. Except, you, you, judge this. What? Then when I knew I was moving to L.A., I got back in touch with her, and we had like a brief Fling? like rekindling before I left. I mean, I think that's only human and natural. This but, is in Boston. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I was only capable of committing to her when I knew I was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay. Um. And I told her I loved her. That was, I, 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 I think it's good to tell people you love them when you feel it, but I do think that was a little manipulative on my part. Did you love her? Yeah. When you told her? Yeah. See. But it was still a little manipulative. I, I once said I, I realized I loved someone and I didn't say anything for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I thought, do I need to say this? Because I knew she knew. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my friend, she said she loved this. She was going to steal it. I was like, you know, when you love someone, if you tell them you love them, suddenly you've made it their problem. Mm-hmm. And that's not loving. <laughs> right. <laughs> that in itself, it's like, now they have to deal with it. Right. It's I, like telling someone you cheated. It's a responsibility. Yeah. To say, I love you to somebody. Yeah. And, you know, now it's, it's like, nice when you mean it and it's nice when you now. say it. But, like, you know, you don't, it doesn't, if it's there, sometimes it's like, I, I knew I loved her and I just had to enjoy it myself. And it didn't really mean anything for her to know it. Until, yeah. until I said it, and, and it was like, it took a while, but it was like, you know, she was, she was happy I said it, but it, she didn't need it, which was what I thought. Yeah. You know, but anyway. I'm sure my girlfriend was like, oh, really? Now you're telling me? Like, I could have used this back when we were dating. Yeah. I, yeah. I would have said never have said that. <laughs> yeah. Especially since you're leaving. Yeah. You're like, what, moving the next day? 
Love you. <laughs> Can you drive me to the airport an hour? <laughs> and she's like, oh, you know what they say. Examples hate themselves. <laughs> we got to make that, that. I don't even know what that expression means. Examples hate themselves. <clears throat> it means examples always are an example to themselves. Examples take themselves for an example. Examples. They hate themselves. Examples are like, hey, people heed us. So we got to work. Ourselves. We should heed ourselves should- by keeping on being examples. <laughs> we won't become another thing. Like, um, <laughs> we won't become another thing. What is the description? Right. What are what is in, <laughs> Who do examples hang out with? Who are their buddies? <laughs> examples hang out with descriptions, descriptions, and um, comparisons. Uh, yeah, comparisons. <laughs> And for instances, <laughs> that's what they hang Well, wait, with. I have that picture of examples playing cards with uh, descriptions and comparisons. Yeah, Who else is on all, there? But they all look like dogs <laughs> playing poker. <laughs> oh, God, that's so weird. Anyway, so. So then episode, the third one I'll just bring three. up is just like, uh, I have to be a little discreet about this because some of it's kind of current. But like, I, I think in some ways, long yeah, distance don't relationships. Tell me a fucking name and I won't know anything. I think long distance relationships can be, in some ways, taxing yeah and maybe it's sort of like there's i don't know yet i'm i'm experimenting with it but sometimes it's so hard that i just think maybe this is well as great as this person is geez is this hard you have some experience with this right yeah i'm listening but continue what you're saying though are you finished i I just i I don't know i i wonder if it's um just by nature self-sabotaging to say yes despite the fact that we're going to see each other very infrequently we're going to make this commitment to each other yeah, um, it can be hard. Um, it, again, has to do with what it is that you expect from the relationship. See, I, I, there's nothing wrong with expectation. It's just that holding steadfast to the same expectations regardless of the situation or regardless of the person, to me, is a self-sabotage. Because every person is not the same and every situation is not the same. Hmm. So you can't try to fit everything, every shape into the same peg, Right. Some things are circles. They're not all stars. <laughs> They're not all stars. They're not all stars. And, and like you know, my Chuck. all that glitters is gold. And only only shooting stars break the mold. Um, oh, every movie preview ever for like <laughs> two years, because it was like that song came out, and then they made all the previews when the song came out, but then the previews didn't come out until like <laughs> a year later. <laughs> So then you're like, fucking Smash Mouth isn't even performing anymore. I just had this thought about the song One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. Which oh, is, that now it is hood wink. such a Does good make song. Think? I, I gotta say, I really have a they used soft to be spot like for a that song. quote-unquote comedy band, and then they went legit. I have a lot to say about those guys. Anyways, th- that song is great. I just re-downloaded it and have been dedicating my car time to memorizing the fast parts of I know of all the verses. lyrics. Do you? I do. Let's do the verse that starts Chickity China. Chickity China, the, the Chinese, Chinese chicken. chicken. You have, have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. Watch an X-Files with no lights on. We're down the maze on. I hope the smoking man's in this one. Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Frantic. Like to like think I'm tantric. Like sneakers guaranteed to satisfy. Like, like Kurosawa, I make mad films. Okay, I don't make films. But if I didn't have a samurai, gonna get a set of better clubs. Gonna find a kind with tiny nubs just on my arms. and always flying off the back swing. Gonna get a two Wait, gonna get a two with Sailor Moon because I got two. has got the boom and the babies. Then let me think the wrong thing. You have to harmonize. That was fun. Oh God! There was there was a show called Say What Karaoke. Yeah, on MTV. No, someone did that. Yeah, there was Say What, and then there was Say What Karaoke, and this was Whoa. a long time ago. This was when I was in high school. When we were in high school, sure. And um, it used to be Say What, and they'd just show videos and then show the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I would tape record them because I, there were certain songs I'm like, Oh yeah, wouldn't it be cool if I knew the lyrics? And for some reason, <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies one week. 
I thought that was just going to put me over at high school. If I knew the lyrics well, to Well, you went to a performing arts high school. Yeah, it probably did put you over. Stupid. <laughs> it's still stupid. <laughs> there's certain songs I know. I know the song to that, and I know the song to Crossroads. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, wow. That's really fast. Yeah, that's really f- And But I always rap it faster than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, when I hear it, I'm like, it's so in much your mind. slower. But in my mind, I'm like, um, let's song, give it up for Polly. See, 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 Uncle Charlie. The boo with God. Right, Uncle Charlie. And I'm going to miss everybody. And I'm going to miss everybody. Those guys are amazing musicians. They are. Um, the, uh, so, yeah. that song was a number one hit, by the way. What, uh, Crossroads? No. One week. Well, both of them were. Was Crossroads a number one? Yeah. Billboard? Let's, like let's, rap charts or everybody ha- charts? I think everybody. Crossroads really? was, went up. The, like That song didn't go away, man. Everyone knew that song. The and that was the cool. second version because that was not the version that was on the album. They had a completely different version. Mm. And then they released a completely separate version mm. that wasn't on the album. That they re-released the album with that new version on it, the one that everyone knew. But the older one was like kind of like a more of like a funeral Dirge. It was like, even though you're gone, 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 you still got love from bone, 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 bone. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Was it about easy? It was about just a lot of people. Yeah, it was about everybody who they lost. But I remember the video had like a ghostly Eazy-E. They, they, they talk about Easy E a couple different times in that song. I mean, they're, they're talking about conspiracy theories around how Easy E died. But like at the end of it, like all the ghosts or souls going oh. up and they all kind of get enveloped in Easy E's. Arms of wings, and you're like, he's not in heaven. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the first thing I thought when I saw it. I'm like, there's no way Easy E is in fucking heaven. Okay, so let me link back a little bit. Yeah, uh, there must have been a moment when Bare Naked Ladies wrote One Week, or when Smash Mouth wrote All Star. Mm-hmm. There's a time that they heard that song for the first time too. You know, like those songs became enormous hits. Yeah, it must course. be exciting to be writing One Week and think. Oh my god, this is fantastic. Like I think this is but gonna be. You know huge. they didn't think that. It's just like Twitter. I bet Anytime I write a do. tweet, I'm like, this is excellent. No retweets. And I write something I think is bullshit. Eight hundred retweets. And I think I think musicians, it's just, like I mean look I'm at like, to think about Radiohead. They no. fucking hate creep. They Tom York refuses to perform the song anymore. Oh, really? They because it that. became a huge hit and they it was he doesn't like it. I think it's not his favorite song by any means that they've written. He doesn't think it represents what Radiohead stands for at, by, by any means. But it's a song that everyone knows. People don't even know it's Radiohead because it doesn't sound like a Radiohead song. Yeah. When you think about Creep, you're like, who did that? It's Radiohead. But they never perform it anymore. I, I saw Eminem at Lollapalooza this summer and he did the like, you're welcome medley. It was like, my name is and then the real Slim Shady and then without me. And I'm sorry, that, is, that was the best part. <laughs> Everybody was Those three screaming songs are, along. Those great. They're great songs. People loved it. More than they... I mean, they, the only equal scream was Bruno Mars came out and they sang Sky Full of Letters. Ugh. Which... Ugh. Bruno Mars bores me. Whatever. That song is like two great verses from rappers. Why are they paired up with those, that chorus? They, someone came up with a great chorus and they were like, you guys can rap over this beat. Yeah. Mm. Bomb? What was it? Um, not, not Bomb. Grenade. Bob. Oh. Yeah. Bob, Bob's album... I was, couldn't have been more disappointed. Oh, I've been really? following Bob for long, the first time I heard of Bob. He did a he did a he made a YouTube video huh. in which he made fun of T Pain, and it was called Auto Tune, and it was just making fun of the idea of Auto Tune. Hmm. And that was a long time. It was before I had his mixtapes. I had someone had sent me that, and it was like Bob just ripping 
on T-Pain. He's a pretty good, he's good with rhythm and, and rhyming. Yeah, and I was like, oh, he's actually pretty good. And I started following him. But then the album, personally, I think everything that makes him interesting was not in the album. Oh, he got like overproduced. But, yeah. That he Rivers over, Cuomo he went song is really great. Pop on, on it with having Rivers Cuomo. He had like all these very pop 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 mix pop stars on it, and then but there was a remix of um, what's it the airplanes that song that's annoying to me. Mm-hmm. But there's a remix with Eminem yeah. on the album, and that's the, probably the best song. And I think Eminem's voice. Let's pretend Marshall was never oh, picked yeah. up a pen. Let's, let's pretend. pretend Marshall yeah. never yeah picked up a pen. Right. Um, okay, so Smash Mouth, mm-hmm. Bare Naked Ladies, Sabotage Women. <laughs> Because we're always previews? just smashing the mouths of these bare naked ladies. <laughs> you know, because they heed their own examples. Long distance relationships, maybe? Long distance relationships, um, okay. Are they existentially self sabotaging? Are they definitionally self sabotaging? It depends what you expect from the relationship. Okay, so get concrete with that. It's still I, too abstract you, for me what you're I saying. Think that you, I, I think if you. If you're by definition a relationship to you is having physical presence with somebody all the time, then of course they're hard. Well, it can't be all the time for a long distance relationship. Yeah, but it can be. But but even but just being in the, the same time. city, right? Okay. Even if you don't see each other like every day, knowing that you can is a completely completely different thing. Right. Knowing that you can see that person when you want psychologically just makes it be like, oh well, they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can see them. They can see me. We can call each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy. I'm not fucking texting internationally or, you know, like, you know, having to send snail mail, you know, because yeah. now you could just text a picture of your dick. Back in the day, <laughs> you had to take a picture, go to a developer, make sure they didn't fuck it up in the dark room. Get a guy to get under one of those Ride on a horse to the post office. <laughs> say, this is special. And here's a telegram to go with it. Then they get the telegram. Here's a picture of my dick. Stop. <laughs> want to put inside you. Stop. Send one back. Stop. LOL. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a new opener for me. <laughs> I remember when you had to mail it. Okay, that's so stupid. It's funny. Yeah, it is ridiculous. But um, it's just like, although with all the technology, of course, long distance has become more convenient because you can... See the person on a screen, not necessarily you're with them, mm-hmm. and it's expensive to go back and forth to certain places. So it just depends what you expect mm-hmm. out of a relationship and what you want at the time because the expectations are fluid. Expectations change with whomever you are when you start to think about what the expectations are. And then also you might expect something, get it, and be like, oh, that's not what I wanted. Right. But sometimes you just have to go for it to find out it's not what you want. Mm-hmm. As opposed to always kind of flirting, floating around the expectations. It's mm-hmm. my opinion. So it's like, I don't think that they're self-sabotaging, but if you really like the person and you would like to have more physical time with him, then, you, then it can be. But you, are, you have to accept that this is what it is. I think the indefinite nature, I think a long-distance relationship that has a light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. I haven't been in one of those it must be orders of magnitude easier than indefinite ones. There's no such thing as a light at the end of the tunnel, though. Of, of living in the same city, where it's okay. not long distance. All right. And it changes. Although that must be a weird transition to manage, going from you have all your long distance patterns to being in the same city being all in the of same a sudden, city. seeing each other all the time. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe it's better to keep it LD. Some things, you know, it, it, again, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. I don't think that they're potentially self-sabotaging, but again, it depends on what it is you want. Yeah. Not, not only from the person, but from a relationship. Those are totally different. 
mm-hmm. what you want from a relationship and what you want from the person. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't match. You know, I have this theory that is um, if there's two lists, right? Um, the reason Joe I list think and Franz list, yeah, two, two yes, exactly. Um, Hans and Franz list. Um, that they are um, the things you want out of a relationship, right? One list is just a question: Do I love this person, right? And the other list is all this other shit that you don't know you need or want. Some of it you do. Some of it is subconscious. And it's like it could be big things like do they believe in God, you know, or are they this and that? Do they leave the toilet seat up or down all the time? And it could be small things like dog person, cat person that you don't know matter to you until you're in the moment. And that list is fluid and it changes depending on where you are in your life and where the person is and stuff like that. And then if you get to know yourself better than certain things, you're like, that's not important. That's not important. Now this is. Now this is mm-hmm. right. And to me, um, a relationship is doomed. When you, I want to say supplant, one list for the other. They both have to match. Do I like, love this person? Yes. And is all this other stuff great? Now, if you, um, if you, um, the, the list of other expectations, like the shit that changes, if you say like, ah, oh, forget that because I love this person. If you're like, I love them and they're horrible. You know, they don't have a job and they don't have this right. and they don't have a that and they're racist, but I love them. Then you're doomed. And if you go, and if they're great on paper, but you don't have the feelings for them, then you're doomed. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think I've, man, I really think I've had both of those recently. I had a real, like, I had the love list in spades. I had a real solid, permanent, king size Sharpie marker love list. But the, in terms of, like, the practicals, stuff, the, it yeah. was brutal. Yeah, exactly. But that love list, having, if you're only going to have one list, having the love list is going to keep you in more than having the everything works list. I think you'll wise up to that everything is good on paper list almost immediately. Again, it depends on the kind of person that you are. Because just kind of like that uh, that article, like the dodging emotions. Mm-hmm. Some people dodge love because they're fear of hurt. Because they never want to be hurt. Hmm. So they do everything they can to never be hurt and miss every amazing possible thing that can happen. And uh, Just uh, because they might get hurt at the end of it. And I... I I haven't gotten the messaging from our culture. Are you supposed to avoid um, potentially painful experiences because they might hurt you? Or are you supposed to go ahead and embrace those? Embrace them. No, I feel like every movie we see is like, don't be afraid to love. Yes. But it is He did what? Dump his ass. (laughs) DTMF dump the motherfucker. (laughs) And they're snapping. They're doing a lot of snapping. (laughs) I realize that uh, no one, anyone listening can't see me doing this. And Katie's like, mm, you're snapping. Everyone's going to be confused. <laughs> They're going to think it's a turtle who's showing his teeth. He's <laughs> just like, mm, look at my teeth. They're so white. I just my, got them bleached. I'm a turtle. My friend told me he has a friend whose last name is Shelsky. Oh, my and God. And I was like, that's the dopest name for a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely not a Lisa turtle. Anyway, it's all right. I'm saved by the bell. I um, <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. No, I, I, I just think that... Um, Okay, self-sabotaging. I mean, I think, Zach, maybe you just need to decide what it is that you want and go for it regardless of if it does or doesn't serve you. But you'll have to find out. You have to fail. <laughs> that's, right. that's the tragedy. Everything's not going to work. Yeah. Some things have to fail so that way the next thing can work. Right. I mean, I do think maybe – in the, and we're not wrapping this up. Let's mm-hmm. end on a problem that we don't get the answer to. Mm-hmm. But I think that like – um Seriously, like the thing is the worst. I think the worst kind of self sabotage is second guessing everything you do mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. worrying if you are self sabotaging one level up. 
that is a more profound kind of self-sabotage that I think could be paralyzing if you let it get rampant. Yeah, I mean, and that's a hard one because, of course, it's like we're you, 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 what it sounds like is that you're struggling with n- trying to figure out what you're thinking about when you're not thinking about what you're thinking about. Right. It's like it's a def- it's like the oh. there be demons. You know, that's that's the freaking oh, the rabbit hole. Relax. But I, I just I have two. I had a friend recently say something about somebody being afraid of success, and I just remember hearing it and being like, "Oh, am I that? I'm afraid to be." <laughs> Okay. And then my friend was talking about his brother once, and he said he's just so afraid to do a good job at anything. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's like, I think it's like because one of the worst expectation things. expectation comes, though. Again, other people's expectation comes. Mm. You, you do well, and then it's like, do that again. Yeah. Because then it's like, it might take you five, ten years for a project or a script or a something that you want to do well. It takes you that long to figure out how to do it well. Yeah. And then once you do it well, someone's like, hey, that was great. Give us another one next week. And you're like, it took me 10 years to do this. Right. How am I supposed to do that thing next week? Yeah. So then some people are just like, you know, maybe I'll just never achieve anything. Right. I used to have this weird joke, but it wasn't like a stage joke, although it should have been, about how I had this fear of ever having potential. Because anytime you see any documentary about some teenager that died in a horrible way, <laughs> it's like, oh, he's so much potential. He was doing all these things. I'm like, if I never do anything, then nobody, then I'll never die. Because people won't be like, you never, no one ever dies like a kid who before his time. And they're like, oh, well, you know, he sat around most of the time. <laughs> this he, came out of nowhere. You know, every now and then mustered the energy to like walk to 7-Eleven right. for a big gulp. But like, then the big gulp was so heavy. <laughs> do you know who Ray LaMontagne is? Yeah, yeah. All I know of his story is that he didn't do anything musically related forever and then just one day was like, uh, I'm going to become a musician and then was an amazing musician. But, well, you know, that's the if you put your mind to it sort of thing, right? Here's two things that I have just thought of. Okay. About self-sabotage. Yeah. The first is if I come up with like when you thought of nostril dominance before, that's yeah. a hilarious pun and I'm glad I remembered to talk about it again cuz it's <laughs> my favorite thing. Um You heed your own example. But when I like an example, we heed examples. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> If I think of a really, like a bon mot, mm-hmm. right? Bon mot? How do you pronounce it? Bon mot. Bon mot in French, but does it get English? Anyways. Some people say bon mot, yeah. I want to say bon mot. Um, if I'll think of a bon mot and I'm ready to drop it in a conversation, oftentimes I'll get tongue-tied and kind of stutter over it because I'm so excited to do it. I've done similar. Similarly, mm-hmm. I had this friend in high school, Aaron Cooper, one of my, still one of my dearest friends, mm-hmm. and we would spend all our time playing ping pong and talking. And mm-hmm. we just hours after school, several times a week. And Coop was always better than me at ping pong. But when he would hit it, when he would hit like lobs over that I should have been slamming and just like totally taking out without fail, I would overshoot and just like knock it off the end of the table. I could never slam on him. Hmm. Even when it was just a huge lob that was like set up for me to crush, I'd always overshoot it. Hmm. Why? Don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like I had a similar thing with pool. Oh, yeah? That it's like, I overthink a shot. Yeah. And it's like, I I or, know what I need to do. And, and generally, if I sit there and I look at the shot and like really think about the angles, then I, um, and I miss it. Yeah. But when I'm just like, okay, I see the angle, I think of it really quick and I do it, then I'm much better. Right. You're like, here's the situation where I fail again. Exactly. And, I'm, and if, I, if I cared enough, I would 
play more <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and figure out the relationship between the two of those things. Yeah. I have, see, my expectation of myself, and I was had a conversation about this, is I expect myself, and this is a very American thing, I think. It's very of our country because we, we have such high self-esteem as a country that we just don't do things we're not naturally good at. Once mm-hmm. we try something, we're like, I'm not good at that. The end. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've heard people be like, oh, I'm just not good at blah. I'm not good at this. And I'm like, oh, when was the last time you did it? Oh, 15 years ago. Right. I'm like, well, maybe if you did it a little bit every time you know, for 15 years, you'd probably be amazing at it now. Right. But because somebody said something destructive, you know, I saw something about like a little um, – uh, oh, I think it was in the Four Agreements about like a, like a, a woman with a daughter who – the woman is annoyed. You know, um, she's in a bad, having a bad day. And her daughter, oblivious to this, is, 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 is uh, walking around, like, singing, being a kid. And the mother goes, will you stop singing? It's horrible. Because the mother's in a bad mood. Yeah. Permanent scar on that kid. Oof. That kid, four years old, is going to be like, I'm a horrible singer. For life. <sighs> For life. And how many times have we been told shit like that? I don't know how. That's why when I hear people be like, "Oh, I'm not good at blah blah blah," I'm like, "Who fucking told you?" that? Right? You're like, "What's the movie that's playing somewhere in yeah, your brain?" Yeah, exactly. Right now? Like who? You know, like it, it sticks, and you never know what's going to stick. You mm-hmm. know, of course, of course, when you're young, but it might even be like you're 21, and someone's like, "Yeah, you're not good at that," and then you're like, "Oh shit, I'm not." Yeah. And then you don't want to get better at. it. Some people like have the ah, I'm gonna you know in movies they they have the I'm gonna get better. I'll show them. Right. And some people go, I show them, and then they shoot up a post office. And then some people, <laughs> but most people just go like, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Right. But we 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 tend to have this skill isn't a thing. It's all natural ability, but to build it is is like beyond us for some reason. So my point is I give in to it. I sometimes expect myself to do things brilliantly. Like when writing like a movie or a TV show or something idea I have, I start I I'm just like it should just flow out of my fingers. Yeah. And the people like, who I respect, it flows out of them, I'm sure. Yeah, because they've been doing it for fifty years. Right. Of course. And went, it doesn't. Nobody it's nobody just is just Exactly. And when you hear about it, oh that's nugget. the worst. Well, it's like, oh, you know, Eugene O'Neill had two Nobel Prizes by the time he was your age. And I'm like, well, (laughs) Eugene O'Neill didn't have YouTube and direct direct TV DVR. (laughs) He was just at the post office mailing his dick at everybody. Yeah, if Eugene (laughs) O'Neill. Pictures of his dick. Pictures of his dick. (laughs) Not his actual dick. If Eugene O'Neill had Desperate Housewives of of Atlanta, he probably wouldn't have written The Iceman Cometh. (laughs) Um, Uh, Cometh. I mean, we have more distraction ever. In our in our lives and like um and then we yeah so I put that expectation like it's not if it's not brilliant right away then it makes me shrink from it yeah where I'm like oh, I have to work at it but I should just be good at it I know and I'm like like I have this thing like oh, you're I'm right a secret what? genius in my brain but like nobody know I haven't done anything you know well, I haven't done enough to be like to warrant that and then there's certain people that I compare myself to that have the work ethic and that's what it is I compare myself the jealousy the envy comes from they possess a quality I wish I had. And I get in my own way of getting the quality. Because, because it's like, so oh man, they're so focused and they're so blah, and they're doing this and this and this and this. Like I found out a friend of ours who remained nameless, um, this is a long time ago, um, got this, I was going to a movie. What was it? It was um, um, the one, District 9. Mm. And Prons. I was with a couple comedians. And then one of them came up and was like, hey, did you just hear so-and-so got this amazing writing job? And I went into a depression. 
I went into a. Th- I literally sat in my room in dark for three days. Will you tell me who it is off air? Yes, I will. Okay. And it, because it's someone that I like. Listeners who know me, if you yeah. ask me and buy me a drink, I'll tell you. Yeah, if you tweet Zach Sherwin, he'll be like, it was this guy. It's a person that I know. Is it a guy? It is a guy. Okay. A comedian that I know, that, okay. I, that I love, as res- uh, I respect, okay. who respects me back. That's the key. Okay. If he was a dick to me, then I probably wouldn't care. Okay. But he's always been nice to me. Okay. It has always been kind to me. And they had this great writing job. And I literally, and suddenly I was like, I literally sat in my room and was like, what am I doing? This is, I'm like 25, 26 at the time. I'm like, yeah. I, what am I doing? I'm like, I can't fucking, I can't just finish this fucking pilot right. over here. This, I, why, why can't, and, but that's what happens. I go into the depression and I, and I don't, I put this high, high, high stakes expectation on myself, which I fail to meet. There's no way, what an expectation. Oh, genius should just pour from my fingers when I write. That is a ridiculous expectation of myself. Yeah, it's too much. It's way too much. How could I possibly meet that? But yeah, I agree. If you go in with it, you will cut the legs right out from under yourselves. By the way, District 9 was like two years ago. Was it District 9? It was longer than that. Okay. Did you like, did you like the movie? I fucking loved District 9. Yeah. Luckily, no, the movie that you – did it ruin the movie for you when you heard right before that the person had gotten the writing job? Yeah, it must Did have you been spend s- the movie thinking about it? It could have been two years ago. It could have been two years ago. It might have been, it might have been three or four. It might have been three, mm-hmm. but it might have been two. Oh nine, oh eight. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was three years ago. Okay, if it was three years, if it was three years ago, our producer Katie over here <laughs> held up three fingers. Uh, said held up three fingers. I thought she was just doing a prawn claw, though. Yeah, exactly. It was an act out. That is that old. It was an old joke. It's like um, three. You hold up three fingers, right? You said like, "Hey, are you dyslexic?" Yeah, two thousand uh, two thousand nine. District 9, but was it the beginning of 2009 or the end of 2009? Uh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh. August. Okay. August 2009? Well, maybe okay, it wasn't. So about two years ago. I'd have to look up when this person got the job. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I, I feel like I remember it was going to District 9. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So there was an old joke. You hold up three fingers. Yeah. And you go, hey, you just uh, um, read between the lines. Right? And you're flipping them off. Or the dyslexic one. You're dyslexic and you, you throw up every finger except your middle finger. Oh, uh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, variation of it Yeah mm-hmm. See this finger Ignore it <laughs> <laughs> Boy those are not Going to translate To the podcast Man I'm, I know I'm going to be so good In the seventh grade market When I get out there I'm like hey What's up you idiots And they're like Yeah hoo, 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 hoo. That's my impression Of seventh graders Enjoying my <laughs> they're, comedy They're, they're, they're all they, Arsenio they, had, they all loved Arsenio Hall For some reason And that's the only <laughs> Reference they can make They're like These are my dogs That have a paper To write in two days <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, it's been an interesting conversation. Yeah. Like our last conversation, which I've got some good feedback from. Yeah. But personally, I felt like we didn't start getting into it until the end of the conversation. Right. And I feel like that's what's happened here. Again. I feel like we did some good stuff. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm confessing things. When we that continue are... to talk, and we can just cut the whole first half an hour. I'm, I'm, I'm saying things that are very like are sensitive and painful. Yeah. I'm not saying Good. you're taking that away from me, but I mean, I no, I'm taking I, it away from you. I do worry <laughs> that I'm. I mean, these are things I'm worried about. We're worriers, man. You know I what? Know, there's it's that, part of the thing. There's that thing where people say like, "Oh, are comedians more fucked up than normal people?" Which I hate. Uh, me I hate too. That. Uh, my opinion is that comedians are more aware than normal people. Mm-hmm. Where we're we're aware of our inner workings mm-hmm. and our brains more, which I think the awareness sometimes exaggerates them. 
Because then sometimes we, we make these decisions about ourselves, like, ah, I'm a this kind of person. And then we indulge in the behavior. Mm-hmm. And then we become even worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. We become our characters. Yep. As opposed to having a separation between the two. Yeah. That's my opinion. And it's like, oh, you're so fucked up wanting to make strangers laugh. What a weirdo you are bringing happiness <laughs> right. to others who had By, hard days at work. Right. Being happiness to others while simultaneously getting appreciation for a thing you're good at. Yeah. Oh, weirdo. Yeah. I'm going to go over here <laughs> and file papers like a normal guy. <laughs> I'm going to do this for 30 years until I have to stop. <laughs> okay. Because I'm normal. I hate what I'm doing, and I'm going to do it for a long time. And then comedians get worried. I've heard comedians say things like, I'm just worried I'm not messed up enough. Messed up enough. I've said that Dude, before. I've said it too. Because you know what? But we make, uh, we make people laugh. We do, but it's like uh, there's, a, there's something. There's, there's a place, there's place for everyone. There's room for everyone, I, I believe. That's why I've never not helped anyone out. Like, like comedians that are younger than me or are friends that just can't get certain opportunities, I will hook them up. Mm-hmm. If I can, because mm-hmm. to me, it's like, why wouldn't I do that? You know what I mean? Like, I, I what you're, I, I don't have that sense of like, oh, he's going to take my roles. You know, it's like you're sure. a different person than I am. Well, I think we've been lucky enough to be helped so much by people, by other yeah. people coming up that you see that it's just good. It's how it should go. Wow. Oh, there was some stomping upstairs. As long as they haven't learned how to open doors. I hope it's not the old person having a, a um, heart attack. I also hope that. Sometimes I hear that guy, he has like some sort of like, I want to say it's like acid reflux, but because I hear you him going, hear it? I hear him going <laughs> all the time. Uh, and I thought, is he masturbating? But it happens so much. I'm like, oh, it can't possibly be. Yeah, and then no. I hear other people talking to him and he's doing it. Like people are there with him. He's going, <laughs> and then he goes. So he's probably masturbating. He's got some. Um, I heard my just upstairs for, Just neighbors. four people. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for an audience. One at he's a time. He's camming. One at a time. Um, it's a rehearsal process. I heard my upstairs neighbor is having some awesome sex yeah? earlier this morning. That's one of my, um, you know, kid sister? It was like... <laughs> do, you know, kid, do you know kid sister? Kid sister. She's a Chicago rapper. Oh, I, I think she's like Kanye's cousin. Toy. Nope. She's produced by A-Track, who is the brother of one of the guys from Chromio. <laughs> okay. But she, the first time I heard her song, it was called Control. Yeah, it's like ladies in the. I was like ladies in the front now. Touch them toes. Fellas in the back, get the back row. That's, that's how it goes. She's got this. She's got this. She got this accent. You know, I do my thing. She's I, Kanye's sister. Is that she's Kanye's it? cousin. I've heard. Cousin. Okay. There is a there is a song called Pro Nails that um, he was a guest in, and oh. in the video he's in the video and stuff okay. too. Okay. She had an album come out a couple years ago that I was waiting for. I was like, finally, kid sister. But there's a song on Control. What's it? It's like um. It's like the sound of nave is over your head. They got the erky erky under the bed. Ooh, that was one of that was a yeah. I like that. Yeah, it was like that lyric. Yeah. I stay straight on the 1st and the 15th. <laughs> She's like, I'm a mamma jamma. My jam's been clean. I stay straight on the 1st and the 15th. It's like the sound of neighbors over your head. It's like the er er under the bed. Something like that. Comedians and rappers should mm-hmm. form an alliance. There's no reason that it's the same thing. You observe something and then you capture it with words. You, am- you put it in amber. Most rappers are black men. Boom. And power. most black men have um, a overwhelming sense of machismo <laughs> that the average comedian is just like I can't be around this. But there's a huge Venn diagram overlap of rappers and comedians. There is. You use words to capture a thing that you saw. <laughs> that just reminded me of an old Eddie Izzard joke about Izzard? Eddie, it's Izzard. It's, it's Izzard or Izzard. I've heard it's Izzard. Someone I know met him and was like, it's Izzard. He said that to him. Izzard. Like, oh, I thought it was Izzard. It's Izzard. Well, he needs to put the word out. Mm. Um, 
was the old joke about like who was Ven? He was the, <laughs> the most boring child in the in the in the world. <laughs> Ven, come indoors. Come inside. Well, I am inside, mother. You can see I'm outside, but my arm is coming through the window. So therefore, I am outside and also inside at the same time. There's an overlap. You see my diagram. Good. Ven, sh- shut up. Well, my arm's here and my foot is in the dog, and therefore in my Ven diagram. <laughs> it's a stupid, stupid little joke, but very. Something I thought you would appreciate. I love Azard's work. And you did. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, saying that, what does she say? is like a DJ scratch sounds like a bed making a noise. It's like the sound of the neighbors over your head. They got to er, er, under the bed. Well, what is she saying? I don't remember. <laughs> I, just, I don't remember. I haven't heard the song in a while. I'll play it for you. Okay. But to get that comparison, I think that's like a comedian brain. MF Doom is a... Associati- associations. Yeah. Doom is, Doom is such a comic. He he makes People jokes are, all the time. Yeah, Doom, uh, uh, Deltron. I read an, I, read an, I don't um, think Dell is as funny as Dell is. I mean, he's out there, but he he can be out there, but he can be pretty funny. Doom has like set up punchline. His lyrics are set up punchline. Mm. I read an interview with him where he said, "I try to make every line like a like a comedy stand up." Hmm. <laughs> Like never go too long without a punch. It's interesting too because funny rappers people rap, when rappers are funny they they get dissed. Yeah, well, he's, here's the distinction. He's a funny I mean, rapper. Dismissed. He, he's a funny rapper, not a rapping comedian. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's a different thing, but it's like, I don't know. I remember trying to tell somebody about Daz Racist a long time ago, and mm-hmm. she's like, joke rap. I'm like, no. They aren't. You haven't heard everything. Because she had only heard Taco Bell Pizza Hut, which is what everybody had heard. When you hear that in context with their album, it makes so much more sense. Yes, it does. But... um and now they're starting to to blow up a lot more, but it's like I feel like didn't it take didn't he no because he was a battle rapper Eminem right? Eminem yeah which is all punchlines it's all punchlines but my name is is just punchline 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 yes, it is it's like hey here's an interesting thing like about bring the, it's like bigger and blacker it's just like bam 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 yeah bam, bam. you're like oh I'm exhausted yes do, the, do you know that lyric on there where he goes extraterrestrial running over pedestrians in a spaceship while they're screaming at me let's just be friends yeah okay think about that lyric for a second it doesn't make sense running over pedestrians while they're screaming let's just be friends like what like that why would they scream let's just be friends and the lyric he's a he's a like rhyme obsessed guy so Mm -hmm. to say extraterrestrial running over pedestrians in a spaceship that doesn't match up with anything every syllable in that song has an analog so I heard the original well, version of it. Well, he's in a spaceship because he's extraterrestrial. Wait, I heard the original <laughs> version of it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that was like a label forced edit that they made him do. Oh. Here's the original version, and it's going to make so much more sense. Extraterrestrial running over pedestrians, raping lesbians while they're screaming at me. Let's just be friends. Uh, and so whoever was like, you have to change that. I, I love it. It's like early Eminem was so angry and mad that he was like, okay, you won't let me say that line that's so much less offensive than a ton of other stuff that's going on in that album. I'll make it as bad as I can. I kind of feel like that's what he did. In a spaceship. He was just like, all right, well, what about that? Not as bad as I can, but just like. Fuck you, kind of. Yeah, usually if, uh, I like getting into. I his don't head know that, that moment. lesbians being raped would be would be like, hey, let's just be friends while that's happening. Be like, get I off can me. see it. They're saying like, I don't want to have sex. Get off me. Leave me alone. It's like a joke. I mean, an, spray a, an edgy. No, it is. It is a joke, but it's a funny joke. Yeah, yeah, I, but it does make more sense than let's just be friends. I mean, in a spaceship. I mean, and in a spaceship. Yeah. Huh. Well, on that note, peace. <laughs> So yeah, Evil Laugh, once again, good to end the conversation on the Evil Laugh, um, both, both of us having an Evil Laugh. Um, 
So, um, that was Mr. Zach Sherwin. I hope that you enjoyed it. And, um, I hope that you learned something and I hope that you, uh, figure out ways to not get in your own way. I know that I struggle with procrastination a lot, like recording this outro. <laughs> I procrastinated around it. Don't need to. It's not the most complicated thing in the world, but you know, I always forget and I'm like, oh, that's simple. I'll do that later. Oh, I'll do that later. And later suddenly is too late. But luckily I did this before Monday and now you're listening to it. So anyway, I'll see you next week on Deep Shit.